Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Cule Show Quick Shift Edition here on 12 Ounce Sports. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Cule. And man, the first round of the official Stanley Cup playoffs are underway and Boy, are they all firing on all cylinders right away. Lots of great action here, and we're going to definitely get to it. We got the we got the almost a Dallas, Vegas, and Chicago game going on right now. Game two of that series starting up with Vegas leading that series by a, a one nothing margin. We'll get to that game and a lot of other series later. But, of course, as always, we must mention our lovely sponsors for today's show. Not just talking about mybookie.com down here to our right, which right now... Get ready for the NFL season. Obviously, college football, not so much, but baseball and basketball as well, including hockey. Get online, mybookie.com. Use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. That's 1-2-O-Z-SPORTS. And join for free today. Win and get paid on mybookie.com. Also, second string leather company. Got the point right there. Didn't even need to look at the screen for that one. I'm getting the hang of this, guys. Second String Leather Company, Collection 5 Wallets, 50% off right now. I got a nice-looking wallet. It's not Collection 5. It's still a great Cooper Classic Waffle Board wallet. Get those because they got Brian's Beast Wallets on there, all sorts of cool designs. Get on there and get awesome stuff at secondstringleather.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Make sure you also get involved with today's episode by using the hashtag TKS at the Cule Show. Tweet us at the Kula Show. Post us up, you know, give us a like on Facebook at The Kula Show. Follow us on Instagram at The Kula Show. We're everywhere, anywhere, anywhere that matters. The Kula Show is there. And also, if you feel like throwing a question in the comment section today, make sure you do so on whether on YouTube or post us on Twitter. Let us know where you're listening from, watching from, whether you're watching us here on 12 Ounce Sports, whether you're watching the replay on The Kula Show's YouTube channel, or even listening on your favorite podcatcher the day after today's episode. So maybe the playoff preview games for the games later tonight. We will obviously apologize on that front. We'll get to those later on in the show because that is one thing we will be talking about on today's program. The two games tonight, Boston and Carolina. We will also be surely be talking about Rod Brandenmore's comments about the officiating game one yesterday morning. Why was it yesterday morning? Because we're also going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Columbus series. We'll talk about game one for sure, as long as we can. And of course, game two that just finished up about 20 minutes before this show started. And of course, we'll also talk about the Western Conference, talk about some good hockey games there in Vancouver. How you doing? Good to see you. St. Louis, where are you at? We'll talk about that later here on the Cule Show. Of course, we're only an hour this week here on this or on this day, on this Thursday, August the 13th, quick shift edition here of TKS. We will have the profits coming up next here on 12 Ounce Sports, 7 o'clock start time on that Eastern Standard Time. So let's get into it, folks. The game that just wrapped up, Columbus, a big win over the Tampa Bay Lightning in game two of their first round matchup. The number two seed Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the number seven seed Columbus Blue Jackets, the nine seed overall, if you will. That ties the series at one game apiece, but let's go back to that game on Tuesday, that marathon classic between the Lightning and the Jackets. I tell you, folks, this was an interesting game because I was able to watch the first three periods at home. Great hockey all around. Blue Jackets come out strong, as do, though, the Lightning. They were able to battle back. I mean, you have Pierre-Luc Dubois scoring again. 
This guy is on fire. He also contributed today. We'll get that game here in just a second. Then you have Braden Point scoring. Then Oliver Bjorkstrad scoring from a bad angle. Once again, guys, the reverse VH. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're a casual hockey fan, look up reverse VH goaltending, and you'll see what happened. Or just watch that goal Vasilevsky gave up to Bjorkstrad. An awful, awful, awful goal to give up as a goaltender from such a bad angle. But a weird bounce in the third period ties the game early for the Lightning. Just a weird scramble. Corpusala makes the save. He doesn't know where the puck is. He accidentally kicks it in with his right foot. Tough play for Corpusala. The game gets tied at two, and we go to overtime. So my brother and I, Alex, who is not here with us, but he'll be back on Monday, of course, we were watching the game. Or I was listening to the game on the radio, listening to the Blue Jackets feed on the NHL app, because NHL is cool. They actually let you listen to the games for free. Major League Baseball, talking to you. But listening to the game and a lot of chances back and forth and over time. And I'm like, all right, this game is going to be a good one. But I get to the golf course. My brother and I were like, man, it's a it's a bummer. But hey, this game will get over because at this time we started golfing at uh, 630, a little before 630 Eastern time. And they were just towards the end of the first overtime. We get to the end of the first hole and they go to intermission because, OK, they'll go to double overtime. That's exciting. The first game of the Stanley Cup playoffs going to double overtime. Nice. Good stuff. And we're watching the game. We're watching the NBC feed. So we got Gord Miller on the call. And Gord is such an amazing voice. We talked a couple weeks ago with Cody Jansen about it. And he obviously is a fan of him as well. Because for us, he's the voice of Hockey Canada. The fact that he's able to do the Stanley Cup playoffs is just the icing on the cake for Mr. Miller. And we're doing And the game's going on. And we're just we're watching. We're able to watch it. Because obviously, we're not just sitting. We're, we're in a golf cart. And we were waiting for a bunch of high schoolers in front of us to just hurry along. Because... Listen, I don't like playing over people in golf. I like to try to think that they can hurry it up. But when you suck at golf and you have a duo behind you that are playing better than you and playing quicker, get out of the way. Just my take. But quickly, back to the game here. Goes a second overtime. Vasilevsky makes some big saves. Corpus Sala makes some big saves. Both teams are getting chances. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, we're going to go to a third overtime. Well, dang. Alex, this is a pretty good hockey game. Like, I know we're sitting there, we're watching the game, and both teams are getting chances. No one's, everyone's coming close, close calls, mad scrambles, power plays in overtime. Are you kidding me? We go to a fourth overtime. We go to a fifth overtime. And when I, when they hit the fourth overtime, by the way, Vegas Golden Knights just scored at the, it looks like the 1044 mark of the first period. So they take a one nothing lead on the Chicago Blackhawks. Couldn't tell who scored. Looks like they're going to say, was that Stasny? Correct. Paul Stasny was the one there, at least throwing the camera on. But regardless, back to the Tampa-Columbus game one. Once it got to a fifth overtime, you realize we're watching something special. But Ty, you're playing golf. What do you mean? We were watching something special, guys. This was crazy, the fact that we knew what was going on. And then here's what happened. We're on the 18th tee. It's still going. We played for three hours, and there was still... They were still playing hockey, even though they started overtime. When we start, they started the second overtime when we were on hole two. I will say this. It was so painful because I realized my phone battery was starting to die because we had the game. We were watching the game. We weren't listening. And all of a sudden, we get to the 18th green and my phone blacks out, dies completely. I'm like, you're kidding me. During the fifth overtime. And I'm like, man. I'm like, this is I'm like this. Oh, let's hurry up. So we finish out the hole, quickly park the cart, grab our clubs, throw them in. 
I plug my phone into my car after I turn it on, fire it up, and I plug it, turn it on. I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm like, come on, hurry up. Turn on faster. And I click it, and Braden Point scores. Braden Point scores. I'm like, ah, shoot, missed the game-winning goal in the fourth longest game in Stanley Cup playoff history, in NHL history, obviously, because only playoff games can go that long. That sits behind, obviously, the six-overtime game for between the Red Wings and the Maroons back in 1936 and the Keith Primo winner over Pittsburgh in 2000. I forget the second one. Was it 1943? Oh, I should have looked that one up beforehand. But anyways, great game all around. Corpusalo. what more could he have done? 85 saves in a game. The most of any goaltender in the history of the National Hockey League. Only 61 for Andre Vasilevsky. That should tell you the difference in play. Now, while the Blue Jackets were never out of it, heck, they scored first. They were leading going into the third period. Tampa was just getting more chances, getting more shots to the net. And you saw that today in game two. But Columbus just couldn't bury it. But you got to give credit where credit is due. Seth Jones playing for over an hour, 65 minutes and five seconds of action for Seth Jones. He was a workhorse. And the best part is you're watching the game today against Tampa and you're like, wow, he's still playing. He's still playing at a high level, even though he just played over an hour. And it was a great game today between the Lightning and the Jackets because Seth Jones was able to contribute because now you go into game two because after such a debilitating loss for an underdog team like the Jackets, you think that's going to hurt them. Not a chance they're going to come back from that. Tampa's going to be able to coast this one. They're going to make it to the next round. Jackets are like, not so fast, my friend. They went Lee Corso on them. Despite not having leading scorer Cam Atkinson or Nathan Gerby in the lineup, both deemed unfit to play. The Jackets, they fall behind, though, early. Nikita Kucherov bounces one off the dairy of Jonas Corposalo. And it's like, all right, well, they're out chancing. I think their shots were like 14-7 at the end of the first period. And Tampa was, once again, really getting a lot more of the shots. Not as many grade-A scoring chances, I would say, but they were still piling the play in the Columbus zone. And then late in the period, something happened. First, Ryan Murray bangs in a goal. All right, it's a 1-1 game. Okay, Columbus is back in it. Then Oliver Bjorkstrand with a power play goal, a nice one-timer. It's 2-1. Okay, the Jackets are back in the lead again. So what's going to happen here in period number two? Well, end-to-end action, but nothing on the scoreboard. Corpusal looked good. Vazilevsky looked good. But the difference in this game was the fact that the Jackets did not allow as many grade-A chances as in game one. Corpus Allo's job was not that difficult, I would say. I can be wrong. Quote me. You know, use the hashtag TKS. Jump in the chat and tell me I'm wrong. But watching that game back, I was like, watching the game today, I was man, Corpus Allo, it's not hard for him. He ends up making 36 saves in the game today in the win. Looked really good. Looked confident. Has now made 154 saves in five games. And also, we're not including the fact that he only played, what was it, two-thirds of game three? So let's all remember that, folks. So they're pretty much saying he's allowed, he's stopped 154 shots in the five full games he's played, which does not necessarily include the game and a half he played in overtime in game one. It does include it, but I'm saying he's played pretty much six and a half games. He was phenomenal again today, and then, and, you know, it's funny because the Columbus Blue Jackets are typically the team that likes to play more physical. Tortorella team, hard defense, physical, getting in your way. Tampa was actually out hitting them today. 
Tampa was throwing the body back to Columbus because they realized that they want to try to really take over the series. They're going to have to be as physical, if not more. Well, it didn't work today because after Columbus got the lead, they bunkered down defensively. They were blocking shots. I think they had 21 block shots in the game. And then in the third period with Tampa trying to come back, Alex Wenberg. Wow. First goal since game one against Toronto in the qualifying round. Makes a nice move to the outside. Walks Kevin Shattenkirk. One of the, well, obviously he's not the same Shattenkirk as maybe five years ago, but he's still a top defenseman. Walks around him and beats Vasilevsky. 3-1. That is it. Columbus ties the series at one. An absolute great finish by Winberg. That gives Columbus the opportunity to now head into game three coming up here on Saturday. I believe it's Saturday, right? I have to check. The, I have to make sure I get the schedule right here. And Vegas just scored again. I can't tell who it is. looks like it is Thomas Nosek on goal number two for the Knights. They're up 2 nothing now on the Hawks. And game three will be, yes, Saturday, 7.30 start time between the Jackets and the Lightning. But big win for Columbus. They're now tied at one. I don't think this is, I mean, we're going to go through a lot of these series. I'm going to say this. A lot of the teams that are technically the underdog, the lower seeds, I don't think many of them are really out of it. The only two I say are in the West, and we'll get to those later on in today's show here on TKS Quick Hits. But not many of them are that far behind the higher seed. They're not really being dominated. Like I said, we'll get to those two later on out in the West. Let's move on to Philadelphia and Montreal. The series that as a goaltender, I am in for because I love Carter Hart. Carey Price has always been one of my favorite goaltenders. This series is going to tear me at the core. Obviously, when I want Montreal to win, of course, I love the Cinderella story. Montreal now technically the eighth seed, even though they were 12th. Boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. This game was close. From dang near start to finish, Ivan Provorov scores and, you know, to put the Flyers out in front with a power play goal that was a weird shot. It went off the stick of Paul Byron, Carey Price. I mean, yeah, it's a long way out, but still, it's a weird deflection. Can't get a good read on it. Flyers take the one nothing lead. But then the Habs, despite looking asleep in the first period, come out absolutely coming out like gangbusters in period number two. Our Terry Lekkinen is falling all over himself, but he's still getting chances towards the goal. And then Shea Weber bangs one in on the power play. I'm like, all right, Montreal's tied it up. Let's go. They're going to take the, oh my gosh, Philadelphia's already scored. Philadelphia scored 16 seconds later off the sake of Joel Faraby after Ben Sherratt couldn't clear the puck out of his own zone. And that really pretty much did the rest of the game in for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, Nick Suzuki had a great chance there towards the end, rang it off the crossbar. But here's the thing, though, guys. The ice was clearly tilted to one end. Philly got the majority of the chances and the shots in period one. Then Montreal comes back over. They flip ends, get the majority of shots in period number two. Then Philadelphia in period three, despite leading and despite Montreal trying to come back, had the majority of the chances. Only six shots in that third period. For the Montreal Canadiens, they really had to figure things out if they wanted to get an honest opportunity, but they couldn't, except to the very end when they really started to go out. But tough loss, though, for Montreal, but we need to talk about the highlight of the playoffs. I know it's round one. It was only game one, but the save of the playoffs. Carey Price, in the second period, gets completely... Now, listen... I am listening to the Montreal Canadiens feed last night, and I was shocked to, because here's the thing. When you're listening, obviously, the, the broadcasters who all of the radio broadcasters, the home broadcasters, all of these guys right now 
are doing games in their own home. They're doing or they're at a studio. They're not necessarily doing them inside a. They're not at the rink, and I'm trying to find the name of the gentleman who's doing it right now. Okay, make sure I got the name right here. Oh, uh, come on. Where is it? Trying to look it up, and it's doing fail me. Come on, internet, work for me. TSN Montreal broadcaster. Because I'm trying to get the gentleman's name. Because I keep, I think it's Dan Sanderson. Hmm. Why am I struggling for this? But anyways, sorry, listen to Montreal game. Sorry, I can't go too long on it. Game's going on. You hear Konechny over to Voracek. Back on for, I must say, I believe it was, let's say, who took the shot? That was Lawton, Scott Lawton, who has had a terrific playoff, who has seemed like he hasn't been able to miss the net, has a chance, and, oh, it didn't somehow go in because you just hear Carey Price out of the net because I was at work last night. That's why I was listening to this game. And I went back to watch it. When I got home, you see Nick Suzuki, little Nick Suzuki, rookie Nick Suzuki, decide I'm going to block this shot. Oh, Lord. Because you see him just like clench up. He's like, this is not a good idea because he's the last guy in net. Carey Price decides I'm just going to reach back with the stick and just absolutely make a magnificent stick save. It goes over the net and he makes it seem like it's nothing. No big deal. I just made the, probably the biggest save ever. Saved Nick Suzuki's life, probably. But at that time, the Flyers were leading, and I mean that save. I mean, kept Montreal in the game, and you didn't. Th- who knew that Montreal was going to have a chance to tie the game? That game that could have honestly put the game out of reach. The way the Flyers were playing defensively, and the way Carter Hart was, Carter Hart making twenty-seven saves in his first official playoff win, Stanley Cup playoff win. Excuse me. But I will say one of my favorite parts of the game, watching back the highlights, how about Carey Price absolutely punking out Derek Grant? Now, I understand Xavier Ouellette hit Grant into Price, which, I mean, I don't know if Grant would have missed Price or not after he came in down the wing. But Price, who has been ran into a time or two, Chris Kreider, I'm looking at you, if you are watching. I mean, you're at home or you're golfing right now because you're not playing in the playoffs anymore. Tyler, you're a Leafs fan. Shut up. Okay. But just the fact that he literally looks and turns and he's like, I'm going to knock you. I'm kidding. It's like, it's the classic two for flinching move. And he's just like, give him the head shake and everything. And then he gives him one shot because Grant got up. It's like, you're going to punch me. And I'm like, listen, a blocker to the jaw. That hurts. Who was it? Was it Adam Henrique a couple years ago that ran into Carey Price shortly after he came back from his second knee injury? And he gave him a couple blocker shots in the lower back and the kidneys there. That is nothing compared to a blocker to the jaw. I've never punched someone directly in the jaw because I've always played and they've always had a cage on their mask, so it isn't nearly as bad. But it still hurts. Yes, Tyler. Yes, Tyler Kuehl, the nice lovey-dovey little person I am, has punched someone in the face with a blocker. Then again, I've done a lot of things with punching in the face and blockers and stuff like that because I can tell that my dad and his wife, Colleen, are watching. And Colleen, I was a very bad child growing up when I played hockey. I did a lot of things I'm not proud of, I would say, but big win for the Flyers. They play game two. I believe that's game two tomorrow, tomorrow at three o'clock. That'll be on the NBCSN and CBC getting an afternoon game on a Friday. Big game for them. I, I'd like to think that, you know, if you're Montreal, you just, I mean, Montreal, like I said, despite 
Philly winning the game and eliminating the chances in the third period, Montreal was never out of it. Montreal wasn't overmatched by the top seed Flyers. I like this matchup a lot. Yes, Carey Price had to bail the Habs out more often than Carter Hart did. Carey Price making 29 saves in the game. But you got to say that Montreal could win this series. I don't think they will still. I'm still going with my Flyers pick here. But boy, not just Carey Price. The Canadians are going to make it tough on the Flyers. And this is not a Flyers team that's going to bully you around anymore. This seems a lot more finesse, but they do have the physical aspect. But I like this matchup a lot. And game two tomorrow will definitely be must-watch television for your post-lunch or early dinner, depending on what you want to do for food. You can watch the game, turn it on at 3 o'clock, and have a good game. Hopefully it doesn't go, you know, six and a half hours. But hey, we've seen crazier things here in these playoffs already. Washington and the New York Islanders had game one yesterday after the Boston Carolina game that we're going to get to here next, let me tell you, right before we go to break. Islanders win 4-2. Let me tell you guys, I was at work, of course, yesterday, and here's how the game went for me. Islanders fall down 2-0. Even though Backstrom was knocked out early in the game by Anders Lee and has to fight Tom Wilson. And Can we just admit the fact that it's kind of ironic that Tom Wilson, taking exception to a hit on a star player, that was questionable. Hmm. Odd, is it not, kids? It's kind of funny, don't you think? Tom Wilson getting mad. Hey, you hit my player and he's hurt. I'm going to take exception. Because Tom Wilson's never hurt anyone in his life. He's been, you know, just this lovely little bit of, this lovely little bit of joy, this lovely person. I'm sure exactly he's never done anything wrong in his life. Don't forget, guys, he almost got suspended 20 games in the season, but that's neither here nor there. But regardless... T.J. Oshie with a pair of goals in the second period. The first period goes scoreless. T.J. Oshie with a power play goal, pair of power play goals, excuse me, in the second period. Puts him up 2-0. I'm like, ah, man. And the Islanders' offense isn't really there. This is just going to be a long game. And I was, and I had to go off and do some things at work. I, was, I got pulled away from my phone. I turn it on, probably a good 20, 30 minutes later, and... I look and I'm like, oh, it's three, it's three, two. Cause I was thinking maybe three, two Washington, maybe the Islanders made it close. Nope. Three unanswered while I wasn't watching by the New York Islanders. Jordan Eberle scored late in the, in the second period. Nice little goal. Jordan Eberle scoring big goals and big games. Anders Lee tied it up early in the third. And then Josh Bailey, a shorthanded goal after a great forecheck by Brock Nelson, Brock Nelson, just driving down low, simple play, get it out in front. Bang, bang, play. Shorthanded goals are absolutely killer, especially in the playoffs. Because you would think as the playoffs where on, power plays become more and more scarce. This was just a perfect opportunity to take advantage of the game shorthanded, getting the lead for the Islanders, and then Bailey setting up Anthony Beauvillier with a nice play on a short insurance goal. And that one's just, hey, you got a good save by Brayden Holpe, but then following up your own rebound. Kids, that's why you go to the net. You follow your rebound, stick on the ice. Bang, bang, Beauvillier having a... One heck of a playoff scoring, which would end up being the insurance marker, capping off the 4-2 win for the New York Islanders. They have a 1-0 lead. Game 2 coming up between the Islanders and the Capitals. That game will be played tomorrow, 8 o'clock Eastern time for that game between the two. Hope it needs to be a lot better, though. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm not going to say the Bailey goal was his fault, the shorthanded goal. And the Beauvillier goal, it's a rebound, but someone's got to be there to help him out. And someone's got to pick up Beauvillier or something, right? But 
in overall, he needs to be better. He needs to make bigger saves. I think he only made like 20 saves yeah, uh, yesterday. I think 22 because Varlamov made 25. I don't have the numbers exactly right in front of me. I just have my cliff notes, if you will. But he needs to be better if Washington's going to want to get far because if not, they're looking at another first-round exit just like last year. And This is an Islanders team that defensively is structured well, and they're not going to give too many chances up. Despite the two power play goals, they were solid. They didn't allow too many great eight chances for guys like Ovechkin, and obviously Backstrom was out of the game. He will not be playing. They said he's going to be out of the lineup, unfit to play, as I've read earlier today. But big win for the Islanders. A lower seed taking advantage and having a one nothing lead in a series. They're not the only team that does that. We'll talk about that here on the second half of today's show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk a little bit about the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Game one. Now, don't forget, folks, that was pushed back to yesterday uh, yesterday after the five overtime game because the NHL decided, well, we don't want to have a game start that late. So what we'll do is we'll push it to 11 o'clock the next day. It should end early enough and whatnot. It should be okay. So 11 a.m. yesterday, I'm able to watch this game. And... Let's 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 talk, ladies and gentlemen. Now, for those that weren't paying attention on Monday's show or didn't or missed it, I had a little bit of a I don't want to say explosion, a little bit of a rant against the city of Boston and the Boston Bruins and why would you ever cheer for them? Yada yada yada. And I ended up getting posted on social media and everyone's like, oh man, Tyler's rant is someone else's rampage. I think that was Peyton's Peyton Turner just quote who was our guest on Monday. Great to have him on as always. But here's the thing. I have not a problem today with the Boston Bruins. I have a problem with the National Hockey League officiating. Yeah, we're going for it, guys. Let's get to what led to that goal. Physical start for the Canes. Carolina comes out strong. They're hitting the bodies. They're getting after the puck. They're doing exactly what Rod Brandemore said, because guess what? If you're going to beat Boston, you got to beat. Boston with a B. And I said it. What did I say on this Monday show? They want to pummel the Bruins. And they led the hitting charge out of the gate. Kind of got them rattled a little bit. Joel Edmondson ended up leading the charge offensively for both teams, scoring the first goal of the series. David Pasternak scored a little bit later on after a nice little set play with Brad Marchand. But then they go ahead in period two. All right, boys and girls. This is goal we're going to talk about. Puck gets knocked up in the air. Right in front of Morazic. It gets knocked towards the goal. Morazic puts his glove on the puck. Covers the puck. Nick Ritchie comes over from the side and jams it out like he's trying to shovel coal. Trying to maybe dig the snow out of his driveway. Because, you know, it snows in Boston, not in Carolina. And regardless, jams it out from underneath Morazic. Puck goes right over Charlie Coyle. He bangs it in. 2-1 lead for the Bruins. And as a good, oh boy, card-carrying member of the goaltender union, you can't do that. Rod Brindamore ends up challenging. They challenge for a hand pass because the puck was knocked by the Bruins player. I forget the guy's name off the top of my head. Towards the goal, Mrazek touches it. So it's a change of possession. Here's the problem. Rod Brindamore was fined after the game. We'll get to the rest of the game later on. That rest of it's pointless. Mrazek gives up a bad goal to Bergeron in overtime after Hayden Fleury ties it up. Double overtime winner. Great. 36 saves for Mrazek, whatever. Rod Brindamore is fined $25,000 for calling the league a joke about these situations. He said, the, the, it is, he said it is a joke, the way the league handles these things. Paraphrasing a little bit, but called him a joke. That is his quote. 
The league fines him 25 grand because you can't call the officiating a joke. This is the NHL, the top officials in the world. Rod, you got fined 25 grand. If I was in your shoes, I'm about to get you fined 50 grand. Because let me tell you right now, kids, if you are the best of the best, if you are a part of the best officiating crew in the entire hockey world, better than all the college, better than all the European leagues, you are the NHL. You are the best. You should expect the best. So why is the best of the officiating in the world of hockey able to not watch the video back when they review it to realize, hey, Mrazic's glove is on the puck, which should be a whistle because kids, if you've ever watched hockey before, when the ref loses sight of the puck, he blows the whistle. So how could the ref see the puck underneath the glove of Peter Mrazic before he gets jammed out by Nick Ritchie? Someone tell me that. Someone tell me why it's a great reason to allow a play to continue, even though a goaltender has possession and trying to smother the puck for a faceoff. Why is that okay to allow the play to continue on? Rod Brandemore came out and said that one of the refs come over. I don't came over. I don't think he specified which one. He came over and he asked, "You want to challenge it?" And he said, "What was the call on the ice? Was it a hand pass that changed possession?" Because he wanted to challenge for either or, but the ref wouldn't tell him. He wouldn't tell him if the call on the ice was the puck was still loose or it was a hand pass. He just, Rod Brindamore had to make a decision. So he went with the hand pass because he didn't know what else to go for. Obviously, ends up getting backfired on him. And all of a sudden, his team's down. Now they have a penalty kill because of the penalty for a delay of game for the challenge. And kudos to Rod Brindamore. Brock McGinn scores less than a minute later on the penalty kill, and Rod Brindamore, without missing a beat, McGinn scores, and Brindamore says a lot of words that I can't say on this program to the refs, and deservedly so. It's an awful call. You have possession of the puck. The goaltender does. Mrazek. He covers it up. Whistle blows. In any other game, why is it? Why is it? When the playoffs come around, these are stupid, there are stupid decisions made by the refs every single time. Last year, the hand pass, San Jose beating St. Louis. Did St. Louis come back and win the series? Yes, but albeit, if San Jose wins that and goes to the Stanley Cup Finals, holy cow, this is a Brett Hall all over again deal. Yes, Brett Hall from 1999. But anyways, now this year, Mrazek, clear possession of the puck, and now he gets free, he's free reign? Why? Because he is just a foot outside the crease. No, you have him covered the puck. This is not goaltending interference. I'm not going to say that. This is not, oh, because the goaltender was affected by the, the play was affected by the goaltender being interfered with. No, this is not that. This is the goaltender having possession of the puck to smother a faceoff. This is not a reason to honestly allow the goaltender free reign. Now, I'm not saying run to Karask, Carolina Hurricanes fans here. I'm not saying go after him. But what I'm saying is the referees in game one, who, by the way, were Chris Lee and Francis Sharon, who did the Tampa Columbus game earlier today, they made it the precedent that, yeah, you can go after the goaltender. Why not? Why not be able to poke at him when he has the puck? He's got the puck underneath his glove. He's trying to put, let just go in there. Just get in there, stick in there and try to jam at him. Try to take his hand out. Go for that. Allow play continue on. We want to get out of here. We got another game to play. Is that If that's the reason why, then you're awful. You should not even be allowed to step on the ice today and put on your stripes. God bless it that Wes McCauley's doing the game tonight for game two between these two teams because I want these two to absolutely try to beat the holy heck out of each other. Because my goodness, if I was, if I was Mrazic, guess what? Someone's getting a chop. 
I don't know who it is. I don't know if it'd be Coyle for scoring the goal, Richie for getting the stick. I don't know if it'd be any other Boston player in sight. I'd see him. I'd go Ronnie Hextall. First black and gold sweater I saw, I would have swung. Maybe my stick, maybe my fist. Like I said, blocker to the face. I've done it before. Not really regretting it right now because some people in this world deserve a punch to the face. Maybe knock some sense into them. Why is it that these refs, each and every single playoff, make a stupid decision? You ignorant donkeys, figure it out. This is the Stanley Cup playoffs, the biggest part of the season, the biggest playoffs that we'll ever have because all the eyes are on the NHL, and you make a stupid call. And then the league is offended, or maybe just trying to defend you for making a stupid call, by fining the team for calling them out, for being honest. Why is that the problem here? Why is that a problem that Rod Brandemore calls the league a joke? Why is it a problem that Rod Brandemore calls out the league for having bad officiating in big games in the playoffs? Why is that a problem? As if, you, if someone knows a better reason why they should allow that play to continue on, I don't know what it is. I don't get it. Yes, Brock McGinn tied the game. Yes, the game went to double overtime, so the Hurricanes had a chance. What Now, would Brock McGinn have scored on that later on? Obviously not, because it wouldn't have been a shorthanded goal. Would it, the Canes have won had that goal not counted? I don't know. But it sure affected the game, didn't it? It put a whole different precedent on the game. Mrazek gives up a bad goal in double overtime. Game's over. Boston takes a 1-0 lead going into tonight's game two. <sighs> it's just bogus absolutely stupid that I can listen I get yes I know I'm very critical of everybody I'm critical of the department of player safety I'm critical of referees I'm critical of referees and ACHA games that I broadcast myself why though because I expect them the rule the guys that are supposed to honor the rules of the game to do so I'm sorry that if a goaltender gets the puck taken out from underneath them because he has possession trying to get a face off and that leads to a goal, yes, I have every reason to be mad. When last year, St. Louis, I'd be mad too when I see a guy, Timo Meyer, knock the puck with his, with his hand over to Eric, over to, I think it was Nyquist that got it to Carlson to score. I'd be mad too. I was mad then, I'm mad now. Why is that the case that we're allowing these guys? I forgot who did the game last year. I'm not going to try to look back who did the St. Louis San Jose game. But the NHL needs to do something about, I mean, I remember last year how many guys were kicked out of the playoffs because they were doing such a bad job. Unfortunately, they can't do that this year because everyone's inside a bubble. We can't allow people to come on in here. So unfortunately, we're stuck with Chris Lee and Francis Sharon until we get to the conference finals. Boy, do I hope it's just Kelly Sutherland and Wes McCauley every game when they all go to Edmonton. Please, please, please. That's all I beg of you. Every night, just have them do the game because guess what? They're the only guys that I actually trust to do these games, these big games like this. Poor, I forget what their assignments will be tomorrow. I don't think I'm also I'm getting all this information from scoutingtherefs.com. You can follow them at scoutingtheref on Twitter. They're a great way to give you your inside information on the referees, stats on them, all that good stuff. So you can find out who made the stupid call and who you can yell about it on your local podcast, your streaming, or any other possible blogging outlets. If you're a writer, you can find out who to yell at. It's fun. So now that I'm through all that, for game two tonight, if you're Carolina, obviously you want to leave it in the ref's hands. I, I really don't know what Carolina needed to do more of. 
They got chances. They only did get 28 shots, I know, in five plus, or almost five periods of hockey. But I'd like to think there's a little bit more. And I think they're going to be a little salty. And Rod Brendamore, who is just a behemoth of a man, he is going to go in there and give a rousing speech before tonight's game and say, hey, we can do this. We can beat this team. Yeah, they got screwed in game one. Yeah, we got screwed in game one. But we can come back tonight and play better and not leave it up to the officials and beat Boston and get the win tonight. Listen, how do you not want to play for a guy like Rod Brendamore? He's a, he's a player's coach, but he's firm enough that you honor him and you trust him as a coach. That's the most important thing. You don't want to have a guy that's too friendly, a guy that's willing to be a general and keep you in line. That's a guy I want behind my bench, a guy that's willing to stand up for his team and tell him and tell as it is. That's what I like to see. So after all that, let's take a break here on the Cule Show. Take a break. When we come back, we'll look at the Western Conference playoff action because obviously we got to talk about the West. We'll talk about the game that's going on right now, Vegas and Chicago. We'll talk about all the other series and what to expect in game two. We'll be back right after this here on 12 Ounce Sports. Welcome back, everyone, here to The Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Thank you for watching, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Zingo TV on channel 761. Sign up on ZingoTV.com using the promo code 12 Ounce. And I almost blew that one. I always, I always forget sometimes exactly what the networks are because we thought we were on Zingo TV, then we weren't. Now we are. So I do, for some reason, that got into my head. Last 20 minutes here on this quick shift edition here of the Kula Show. Hashtag TKS. Make sure you get involved with today's episode. And I know I got a little carried away there. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. Got a little got a little, got a little, hot there. I know. It should have been done at about 6.30 for our first break. But, I, you know, referees and I, we don't get along. There's only one ref that I got along with. And the, his name was, we called him Rooster. Uh, David Rue, a longtime ref here in the Grand Rapids area, passed away a few years ago. He was one of my, he was a guy that refed me from Pee Wee all the way till high school, all the way through high school, and unfortunately passed away a few years ago. And I remember just, he was always a fun guy. He always would come over the net. And I, even when I was a Pee Wee, he'd always come over to the net and look at me and say, Tyler, because for some reason he remembered my name. It's like, I want to let you know right now. I am not, because, you know, the refs would come over and check the nets, make sure there's no loose pucks in there. He's like, I do not want to be fishing pucks out of here tonight. So you're going to do your best to keep them out, okay? And I'm like, yes, sir. Didn't quite always go to plan, but it still sometimes worked and it was always a good guy to chat with, one of the best that I grew up with. Now the Western Conference. I'm going to try to make this a little bit quicker than the last one. Last night, St. Louis and Vancouver going on there in Edmonton. The four-seeded St. Louis Blues going up against the Vancouver Canucks, who are seventh going into the playoffs, now ranked as the fifth seed in the West. Big win for Vancouver, eh? How about that? I mean, there was supposed to be no JT Miller in the game, too. Remember you guys hear about that? JT Miller wasn't taking warm-ups, and all of a sudden, bam, he's there. Okay, JT Miller's in the lineup. All right. Had a power play goal late in the game to ice it to make it a 5-2 game. How about that? I mean, just... It's funny how that works because, you know, there's unfit to play. You don't know exactly what's wrong with players anymore. And all of a sudden, oh, JT Miller is actually okay. He's on the ice and was an absolute beast out there. Very big on the power play for the Canucks. A power play, by the way, that I believe went two for three, if I'm not mistaken. Let me quick run over to my numbers from last night that I completely forgot to write down again. But, I mean, Vancouver last night looked just very confident. 
for, like I said, they are the lowest, I think the lowest seed to have won their first game of the playoffs. But it all started off with Bo Horvat scoring early on in the game and on the power play, of course, setting the tone in that game. Three for six, Vancouver went on the power play. Excuse me, I forgot they went three for six, 50% in game one. David Perron scored in at the end of the first period. A power play goal for the Blues. Okay, it's going to be one of those games. Close throughout. But for some reason, it just looked like after that, despite St. Louis out shooting Vancouver the first two periods by a 22 to 17 margin, St. Louis really didn't dominate the play. Now, that said, Jacob Markstrom made a few really big saves throughout the game. He made that huge save. I think it was in the first period, a big left pad save. He was looking very in tune, looked very calm, moved well, didn't seem like he was getting rattled in the net, especially for his first official Stanley Cup playoff game. That's a big step for a guy like Markstrom, who has really worked his way through. And it's funny, I think it was Second String Leather Company that posted the on Instagram the other day and Facebook yesterday before the game. Jordan Bennington and Jacob Markstrom, the last time they faced off in the playoffs, was actually in the Calder Cup playoffs back when Bennington was with the Wolves, Markstrom with the Utica Comets. But it just looked like throughout the game that Vancouver was very comfortable. But Jaden Schwartz tied it in the second period after Elias Pettersson got a power play goal early on in period two. So it's 2-2 going in to the third period. And I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I was kind of looking at it like, all right, this, this may be an interesting finish. And just five and a half minutes in, and I remember we talked about it on Monday, looking at the series. Bennington hasn't looked so strong, not just in the playoffs, and at least in the round robin, but over the year. He hasn't. He was not as dominant as he was last season, all the way through the Stanley Cup. Troy Stetcher comes off the blue line and just rips a shot, and it's an innocent-looking shot at first, but it goes off the inside of Bennington sticking in through the seven-hole. And it gives Vancouver the lead, Trey Stetcher's first of the playoffs. And I'm just like, you know, that's one that Bennington should have, right? Listen, I know. Tyler, you never played in the NHL. Listen, I face guys that have NHL caliber slap shots. I know what it's like to face one of those shots. Marty Furk, who hit 115 miles an hour. I faced him on the daily a couple of summers ago. Let me tell you, it doesn't get harder than that. Granted, he missed the net 50% of the time, but I'll just say I had good angles on him. Bennington's got to have that one, right? It's an awkward-looking shot, but anyways, they go down by one to the Blues, and Vancouver just doesn't let him get that many great chances. Markstrom had to make a couple of saves in the third period to keep him in front, but just a couple minutes later, Bo Horvat gets his second goal of the game, fourth of the playoffs. Captain Horvat. Captain Horvat. Ooh, I I have a great idea for a children's book or possible series. Captain Horvat leading the Canucks into the postseason. I'm going to Who's the PR guy for the Canucks? You, over there. Find me the PR guy for the Canucks. That's an imaginary person. Okay, got it. But, I mean, it was a great... I mean, first of all, can we talk about that goal by Horvat? How about Bo Horvat deciding to look like young Bo Horvat, who came into the league many years ago at this point, absolutely walks Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn's jock, folks, has been found on the streets this morning in Regina, Saskatchewan. He just dangles him inside outside, goes to the backhand, comes back to the forehand, foot off the ice stick side. Nothing Bennington could have done on that one because Vince Dunn was like, I, 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 a bit. that's exactly how it, his voice sounded like how he looked trying to battle that one-on-one against Horvat. Great play. Like we said before, JT Miller gets the capping goal, the fifth goal of the game on the power play, three for six. Great power play look by the Canucks. They're feeling good. 
I'll be honest with you. In game two tomorrow, that's Bennington. I really think it is because, yes, the two power play goals. But obviously, St. Louis has got to stay out of the box. That's one thing. Six power plays for the Canucks last night. With all that talent, with Besser, Patterson, Hughes, just those three guys alone, let alone guys like Horvat getting in there and guys like JT Miller running the power play. All these top guys for Vancouver, you can't give them that amount of oppor- that many opportunities and expect to win in this series. That's why I picked Vancouver, because I'm just like, why not? Why not a team that's feeling confident against a St. Louis team that looks very shaky? Shaky St. Louis. That's a great, that's a good hashtag. But if Bennington plays better, makes more than 17 saves, and doesn't allow Troy Stetcher to put one under a seven hole, yeah, St. Louis have a better chance. So that's to me the keys tomorrow night. For the Blues, stay out of the box. Bennington's got to play better. All right, I quickly run through the last three here. Only got 13 minutes before the Profits come on here at 7 o'clock here on 12 Ounce Sports. Colorado, Arizona. This was one of the two that I will say that a team looks incredibly outmatched as I just take a peek over. Still 2 nothing Knights over the Hawks, and the Hawks score. Holy cow, Kirby Doc. Dang, I should have done play-by-play for that one. Kirby Doc bangs it in, and it's 2-1. Still lead for the Knights, but the Hawks are on the board. Okay, there's my play-by-play for you. But we'll get to the Vegas-Chicago series here in just a second. Colorado and Arizona. This was the one of the two series that I will say that it looks a little lopsided. The second-best team in the West against Arizona, who was technically the second-worst team in the West coming into these playoffs. Abs win 3-0. And I will tell you right now, it is it is 10-0 had Darcy Kemper not been in goal. Kemper was outstanding. 37 saves in the game. The three he missed, though, Came over in a minute 10 span. Nazem Kadri bangs in a goal on the power play. Mad scramble. Kemper's left out, tongue out to dry. one nothing Canucks. 10 seconds later, they win the draw. Bring it in. Shot from the point by Eric Johnson. Blocked. Save made by Kemper. Rebound. Scramble. JT Comper bangs it in. 2 nothing. 10 seconds apart. A little over, less than a minute later, a nice tic-tac-toe play between Landeskog, McKinnon, Miko ran and finishes it off. Darcy Kemper, he's saying, come on, guys, my jock is only so tight. It is flying everywhere. What am I supposed to do? Like, Kemper was getting mad, but how, what is he getting mad? He can't be mad at himself. What's he supposed to do? Make every imaginable save out there? Only 14 shots by the Arizona Coyotes in that game yesterday. And I will say this. I was watching the condensed, because what I do to make sure I get my notes right and kind of get a better feel for the game, even though I watch it, I'll watch the NHL condensed games. Not just the four-minute highlight of all the goals, but the eight-minute, nine-minute, nine-and-a-half-minute clips that they have, which has more saves, plays. You can get a better feeling of how the game went if you're not able to watch it, if you're able to listen to it, but not able to watch it. I will say this. The Coyotes have, because they show, obviously, each team getting a fair amount of chances. The Coyotes... Their first seven shots in the first two periods, I'm pretty sure were actually shown in the highlight reel. I'm not kidding. Grubauer had to make some big saves for only having 14 shots against him. He had to make a couple of good-looking stops because this game could have been a lot closer had he not been up to par and not been ready despite the lack of work. But he looked very good. 14 save shutout for Mr. Grubauer. And boy, I, here's what I... I remember I was like, all right, what does Arizona need to do differently? Well, the first thing I'll say is this. It's be tougher in their own zone, and by that I mean around the net. The two goals, and they were scored in 10 seconds, were both off of rebounds. Now, yes, Kemper's got to do a better job of rebound control. Listen, when you have guys taking 34 whacks at the goal, 
that's not on Kemper. That's on the defense and the forwards coming down to help out and clearing the puck out of there. Kemper can only do so much, guys. 40 shots against him. When you're getting outshot by 26 shots, what else can a goaltender do? He can only do so much by himself. And I know Kemper has probably been one of the better goaltenders over the last year and a half, but he plays in Arizona. They were not that good last year. This year, they're able to make the playoffs. And let's be honest, it's he's the reason why. If Kemper, listen, I love Antti Ranta, but if Ranta's the goaltender, maybe they're not in this position. Darcy Kemper's been so good, and he's been so overlooked by the rest of the league. Yeah, his numbers are running as good because he was hurt, and he had a bad stretch towards the end. He's healthy now and playing phenomenal. Help the guy out a little bit. I think if Arizona kind of just settles down now, and now they can see how good this Colorado team is, who, I'll be honest, I'm still one of my favorites here in the West. They can have a much more competitive game one, keep it a little bit closer, maybe get on the board, maybe. Maybe more than 14 shots, I would hope. Star, or now Hawks and Knights. 2-1 right now, just under 15 minutes playing period two. Let's quickly recap game one. Knights win 4-1. It's a little bit of a slow start. Both teams trying to feel each other out a little bit. And then the Knights just scored two goals midway through the second period. Shea Theodore and then Will Carey absolutely just trucking Matthew Highmore going to the goal. My goodness. David Camp scores a shorthanded goal to bring the Hawks within one, kind of similar to how Kirby Doc did here. But then Riley Smith puts the game away with two goals in the third period. One of them just an awkward bounce by Corey Crawford. Hits the top of his blocker and goes behind him. It's just, it hits a weird spot in your blocker, like a soft spot. If you hit it right on top of the hand, the, sorry, if you hit it right on top of the hand, you can easily block it away, get a little more behind it, but it hits the top where there's like no support behind there. The puck just dies. It flips up and doesn't go anywhere. Ends up coming back down behind Corey Crawford. Not much here. I, I mean, yes, you think you can make a better save on that one, maybe to keep it out, but it's a tough bounce there for Crawford. 30 saves for Corey Crawford, 29 save win for Robin Leonard, getting a win against his former team that he only played for now. Granted, only a few games, or well, played for over half the season before getting traded at the deadline for Malcolm Subban to the Knights. And I mean, Vegas, at the time, I'm like, well, Vegas has a starting goaltender. They got Marc-Andre Fleury. Well, I'll tell you right now, that trade's looking great with a guy like Robin Leonard now starting in goal. And Robin Leonard has cemented himself as a guy who is a number one goaltender. Obviously, last year, and then some, though. Now he's proven that he can be a playoff goaltender if the Knights can go far into this postseason. Max Petrae currently not playing in this game for the Knights, deemed unfit to play despite making his appearance in game one, his first appearance in this postseason. The game tonight, the 10-30, the nightcap, will be the game two between the Dallas Stars, the three seed, and the five, or the six seed, excuse me, the Calgary Flames, who are the eighth seed heading into these playoffs. Flames win game one, three to two. And I'll be 100% honest with you. I am not shocked in the slightest. Dylan Dubé comes out strong with a pair of goals in the first period, one of which being on the power play. One of them was a great drive, too. You see that little move on the outside, just a little power move, just dragging it, and yeah, with the back end, yeah. That is the sound I made. But Anton Hudobin did get the start, by the way, for the Dallas Stars. It didn't look bad. You know, I mean, I, I, I look at that game that he played in. You know, he a lot of chances. The Dylan Dubé goal in particular is just a great play. Nothing much more he could have done. It. Maybe he could have done a diving poke check. But Dallas tried to score twice. To, you know, they scored twice, nine seconds apart. Dennis Gerlanov and then Jamie Benn with just two weird bounces. Gerlanov went off a defenseman. Jamie Benn, a shot that really skipped in front of Talbot when it made it 2-2. But then Sanderson scores for the end of the second period. After that, Cam Talbot comes in. Steps up in the third period, shuts the door. The Flames shut the door, and they get the win 3-2 despite 
you know, Dallas putting on a good little fray there towards the end. Ben Bishop might start tonight for the Dallas Stars. He missed the last couple games, missed the round round because he was deemed unfit to play. He may get the call tonight. I'm not sure what Rick Bonus wants to do. I mean, Hudobin didn't play awful, didn't play great, but, you know, we'll see what his decision is tonight. So that is it for this edition of Quick Shift quick shift edition here of the Kula show. Make sure you tune in for another full show on Monday, six o'clock here on 12 ounce sports coming up next here on the network, 12 ounce sports on YouTube, Facebook, and not Instagram, Zingo TV and YouTube is the profits. They'll be talking about their NFL profits playoff theory, what they think is going to happen come playoff time here in the NFL, which is scheduled right now to start in a month, guys. We may actually have some sports this fall with, you know, with having all the, uh, the college football canceling except for the SEC, but that's their own deal. That's an interesting thing to, to tune into. Make sure you stay here on 12-Ounce Sports. Make sure you get involved with today's episode, though. Use the hashtag TKS. Thank you, Dad, for getting all chanted for all, excuse me, in the chats here today. Fulton Reed. What What did I, I where, where was that comment from? I must have missed it. I've, I haven't been looking too much at the chat today. My apologies. Hashtag TKS. To get involved, tweet us at The Kula Show, like us on Facebook at The Kula Show, and follow us on Instagram at The Kula Show as well. We post some good pictures time and again. Sometimes we post funny ones. Sometimes we post serious stuff, graphics, all that good stuff. And of course, in a little over a week and a half, August 24th, I will be in Denver, Colorado. I'll be on vacation with the wife, so I feel like, hey, let's do a show in the Mile High City. We'll be reporting live from wherever that may be, maybe our Airbnb, maybe somewhere else. I don't know. Denver, Colorado will be there right in the middle of avalanche country talking about more playoff action on the Kula show. But that is it for this one, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for tuning in to this episode of the Kula show. Quick shift edition. We'll be back on Monday, six o'clock, six, eight 30. Alex will be here as well to help me out. Thank you all once again. And thank you for watching the Kula show. <laughs>